We are going to continue our series on promises and paradigms, and the title of the message this afternoon is simply work. I want us to take a moment to think about every part of our lives where we work hard, perhaps in our physical bodies in, when we go to the gym and work out, in our careers. We are confident and competent that our career will progress if we work hard and give it time and effort and commitment. Maybe it's our spheres of influence, our friendship circles. There are many areas of our lives where we choose to work hard. And yet sometimes it's our Christian walk that we choose not to be quite so diligent, not quite so committed. Hard work for the Christian should be a way of life. Our heart should perpetually overflow with a zeal and a passion to serve and to work hard to produce natural results, yes, here on earth, but more significantly, spiritual fruit in each and every one of our lives. That should be the norm. That should be the standard. It should not be reserved that we work hard merely in times of testing or extenuating circumstances like we find ourselves in now. Because at the forefront of our mind has to be the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10:31b reminds us that whatever you do do it for the glory of God. So this afternoon we have a few learning outcomes. These are building blocks. One will build onto the other that will then give us an opportunity to really work intentionally towards working hard and seeing fruit in our lives. The first is building friendships, becoming brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. That will lead us to having true service and sacrifice to one another, that will cause us to step out and to step forward, and that will cause us to work hard, irrespective of our circumstances. So turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, to a psalm that we know well, Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's a verse that we know well. It's a psalm that I'm sure we're very familiar with. But do we recognize how close unity and humility are to one another? One breeds the other. Neither can exist without the other. They are perpetually connected. And more often than not, if we think about friendships that we've got or friendships that we've had, pride, even if we've not wanted it, has often won out in moments and the harmony can quickly fade The bottom line is that we need each other. Amen? If we think about the videos that you see online, on BBC News or on Facebook, of people fighting in Tesco's for food or for toilet rolls or for pasta, that is not what we're called to demonstrate as Christians. It is good and it is enjoyable when we spend time together in His presence. Now more than ever, that is needed. That there, the example I gave, that is of the world. That's how the world behaves, where we look after ourselves. It's me, myself, and I, and it's about meeting my needs. It's about my wants and my desires, and yet that is not how we're called to live as Christians. Friendships are made not by fighting, but by refusing to quarrel. We get an opportunity to see the gold and the treasure in each and every person's life. But that requires work. That requires us to change and shift our mindsets, our attitudes towards some people, our hearts 
towards other groups and individuals to see them for who they truly are, to see the gold and the treasure that God has placed in each and every one of them, and then we're able to move more intentionally towards building healthier, more Christ-centered friendships. This means for us today that we have to make a commitment to free ourselves of any pre-existing thoughts that we may have around trust and around friendships and choose to say that I want to grow, I want to mature, and I want to discover the gold and the treasure in each and every person that I encounter to help them become the best disciple that they can be in Christ. God will always reward your desire to build people up in the body of Christ. And you develop and enhance your friendships as you lift them up and spend time with them, which means that we have to build those sacred, sacrificial, Christ-centered, spiritual companions that we get to go on this journey of life with to see them flourish in all that they have for God. The world attitude is very, very different. The world will teach you, stab the person in the back to get ahead, but that's not the way of the kingdom. So today, I want us to be intentional. I want us to be robust. I want us to be clear. I want us to be purposeful in building godly friendships. They will take work. They will take sacrifice. They will take commitment. You will have to sow and to sow and to sow, but we know in due season that we will also reap. Which leads me to my second point. Often the way you build these strong friendships is through genuine service and sacrifice, where you choose to put the needs of the person that you're serving ahead of your own needs. So turn with me to John 13, 34, and 35. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Throughout the scriptures, we see so many examples of one another commands about relationships amongst believers to encourage one another, be devoted to one another, to honor one another, to live in harmony with one another, to accept one another, to instruct one another, to serve and to forgive. The list goes on. To love one another, however, is at the core. Jesus tells us to love one another as he first loved us, 1 John 4, 19. Now we have to accept and recognize that Jesus' love is greater than we can ever imagine. But he is clearly showing us an example here. Jesus loves us unconditionally. And his desire today is that we will love others unconditionally. But that's often not the way that we see things in our lives. We choose to invest in those friendships if it gives us something back in return. I will be your friend if you can do something for me. If you provide for me greater blessing or greater influence or greater opportunities, then I will be your friend. Actually, Jesus' love is indiscriminate. He loves everyone. He loves those that have never known him. He loves those that have rejected him. He loves those that adore him. He loves those that worship him in spirit and truth each and every day. That is the type of love, friends, that we have to demonstrate today. And it's sacrificial. He wants us to love unconditionally. He wants us to love the person, not the personality, which means we have to accept their faults, their characters, their attitudes unconditionally. Because Jesus loved with his actions. He humbled himself, left the riches of heaven, 
came to earth, suffered on a cross for you and for I. His actions demonstrate the depth of his love in ways that we cannot even begin to explain. But our problem here often is that we default to love being a feeling. But sometimes the action must come first. And in the environment and in the situation that we find ourselves in, action is what will connect people to the love of God. I've seen so many stories of people going to elderly homes or care homes and putting food parcels at the door, pushing stuff through the letterbox to try and connect people that are otherwise self-isolating because of this situation. They are wanting to connect them to the love of God. Their actions are demonstrating that. And we have a corridor of time, an opportunity right now to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, even if it means that we phone people over Skype or FaceTime or WhatsApp. These are God-given technology advancements that we get to enjoy that will extend God's kingdom. Even if we can't be with them in person, we can be with them in fellowship over the internet. That is what God is calling us to do at this time. We have to see everyone through the eyes and lens of Christ. We cannot be indiscriminate on that. We cannot be deliberate or, or choose in our minds to pick and choose who we want to connect with. We have to step out in faith and love through our actions. We in the family of God demonstrate our love for each other because then people will, quote, know that we are his disciples because we draw people closer to him through the love that we have. Matthew 7 verse 12 says, in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. So go back to the situation of people fighting for toilet rolls in Tesco's or, or hoarding huge volumes of food, looking after self. Go back to that analogy in your mind. I'm sure you've seen them in the last few days. Imagine how world, different the world would be if we practiced that principle. Not just in our church life, but in our daily life that we would live to prefer and serve one another, that we would pay for the food of the person that's in the supermarket checkout in front of us just because we want to, not because we want anything from them. But the problem is that we have been positioned in such a way that often our heart and our attitude is, I will do it if there is something in it for me. And I want to suggest today that we have to break down the walls and the barriers that have disconnected the church from the world and actually seep into every sphere of society and influence it with the good news of the gospel. Amen? It starts with us. What an incredibly different world the world would be if there was more grace, more understanding, and more service to one another. Now, the reality is service is hard. It means that you will have to put aside your own agenda, your own focus, your own goals, your own ambitions, everything that you're seeking to do, and you will be deliberate, committed, consistent in serving other people. And it's hard work. Galatians 6, 9 reminds us to not, do not grow weary in doing good. So the straight implication here is it's backbreaking. It's labor-intensive. It is not necessarily glorious but it is what God requires of us. And I want us to really consider that because the rest of Galatians 6, 9 says, For do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season it will produce not just a reward, but a great reward. 
And some of us need to remind ourselves of that. We need to step out in action and not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. When your passion leads you, then success is guaranteed to be your destination. But if your passion dies, then your lamp of perception is ultimately removed. And we recognize that God will plant promises in our hearts and in our lives, hoping that you will claim them, but that they will also claim you. Now that we understand friendship, service, and sacrifice, now we need to step out and to step forward. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3. You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone, which means every person we encounter, Christian, non-Christian, they are looking at our hearts. It goes on, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And so I want to ask you a question this afternoon. Truly, between you and the Lord now, what is in your heart? What is truly motivating your heart this afternoon? Is it the glory of God? Is it to put Christ on display at every opportunity that you have? Or is that the crumbs and the leftovers of once we've sorted everything in our lives that we feel that we need? Now, I know you might be standing here saying, well, actually, Scott, working hard, that's what the pastors do. That's what the worship team do. Wrong. We are all called to work hard for the kingdom. We are not necessarily called, every one of us, to be a preacher. But we are all called to enter the service of God. Do we truly labor in love? or only when it is convenient, or even worse, pleasing man. Ultimately, we are commanded to walk as Jesus did. We cannot do that unless we love how Jesus loved. God has given us a responsibility this afternoon to live righteously. And it is not solely about making sacrifices, but it's about becoming an expression of his love. It's about entering into the Father's joy. And as you enter the Father's joy, you will carry that joy into every single relationship, every friendship that you have in your workplace, in your home, everywhere. Do not hold on to things that are fading. Focus on what is eternal. If you think that running away from hard work is going to make God's will for your life go away, you're wrong. He is in full control. He knows exactly what is in your heart. Therefore, follow God, serve God out of love, not because you expect to receive a reward. You don't bargain with God, but we experience His joy, and then you're able to serve Him in and out of season. Which leads me to my fourth point. Ultimately, we must work hard regardless. We don't get to pick and choose the seasons and the moments that we choose to work hard. Philippians 4.13, words I'm sure we all know well. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, Paul knew what it was meant to work hard for the gospel. He went through hard times. He was harassed, persecuted, imprisoned, beaten, stoned even by people who claimed to be followers of God. Remember this, Christ and Christ alone is your strength. 
serve them anyway. People will question your motives. People will question why you want to serve them, why you are working hard, why you are striving to grow in your Christian journey. But serve them anyway. Paul was persecuted ultimately for one reason. He spoke the truth. Any good Christian will always speak the truth. But for that to happen, we have to work hard. We have to strain and strive to become more and more like Christ. Paul didn't measure the will of God over his life by his feelings, but he looked at the righteousness of Christ, and therefore he never regretted a single minute of his journey. As a result, he lost all interest in serving himself, the desires of the flesh, and he made it his primary objective to serve Jesus. Which brings me to my next question. Are you all in in your service to Jesus? Or do we only choose to work hard when it's convenient or relatable for us? Positive thinking will, alone will not help. We have to serve and to give irrespective because that is what is in our heart, not because we expect to get a reward from it. So in summary, we must choose to continually live our lives for Christ from a place of deep conviction, not feelings, not surroundings. I can testify that there is no greater joy in your life when you serve someone, when you work hard to honor someone and honor the Lord, and they grow in their journey with Christ. They become 1% more like Christ. They, they draw on what you've learned and how you developed yourself to see the glory of God manifesting in their hearts and in their lives. There is no greater joy that you can possibly experience. We must not just share the good news, friends. We must be good news. When you see the tangible, definitive changes that you make in people's lives as a result of your labor and your sacrifice, I can assure you of only one thing. It will confirm to you that what you are doing is correct. It will confirm to you what you are doing is godly. It will confirm to you that what you're doing is God's plan for your life. Proverbs 27, 19, as the water reflects the face, so the heart reflects the man. So my final question for you this afternoon is who do you reflect? If somebody was to step into your life, step into your atmosphere and your culture, your context, your heart, what would they see? What would be evident? What would be visible? Would it be someone who's sold out in their service and sacrifice? Is it someone that's completely striving to grow in their journey with God? Or is it someone that's the easy-go easy Christian? The Christian that will punch in at 9 a.m. on a Sunday and punch out again at half ten, give their tithes and offerings, go home and go back to normality. God didn't create you for that. And we stand in a moment now for the church not to hide, but to step up to step out, to step forward, with no excuses and no exceptions. We need to demonstrate that the church is not just a building, but it is actually the people. Our care, our love, our support and encouragement needs to be consistent and visible in the days that lie ahead. Consider the season that we're in now. Although it's testing, although it's trying, it is a season of opportunity to serve sacrificially everyone that we encounter. Every encounter that you have is a divine appointment from God. 
and we have an opportunity to communicate the hope and the confidence and the joy that we carry in our heart. And we get to see that God will use us as a vessel for his glory. Because in times of testing, our faith is tested most. Only faith that is tested is faith worth possessing. And our hearts cannot be troubled right now, but we need to be diligent. We need to work hard. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 reminds us to pray without ceasing, but also to give thanks in all circumstances. The disciples recognized that Jesus' ability to perform miracles were directly linked to his prayer life. This time should connect us deeper to the Lord. This is not a time for us to be silent, hiding in our rooms and in our homes, playing Xbox and watching Netflix. This is a time to extend the kingdom of God. This is a time to reach out where people are more open and more connected, but we need to connect them to that great hope. But we also need to remind ourselves where our hope comes from. David was very clear in Psalm 121 about where his hope came from. And as you anchor yourself, as you steward your time in the days and weeks in front of us to God and to his kingdom, you will see that your faith and your passion for God will flood your heart afresh. And you will emerge victorious with a desire to demonstrate the love of God to everyone that you encounter. And we will see victory. We will see victory, but we will have to work for it. We will have to work hard. We will have to work intentionally and consistently and deliberately across every area of our lives. But this is a time for us to step forward. This is a time for us to step up this afternoon. And so I want to leave you with these final thought as we bring our time to a close this afternoon. Work hard. As much as you work hard in your job, in stewarding your finances, in your relationships, maybe even on your physical body in the gym, in whatever area of your life, the diligence, the consistency, the service, the sacrifice that you demonstrate in those areas or any other, we need to double down and demonstrate in our growth and in our walk with God. Because we want to put the best version of Christ on display in our lives. There should be absolutely no doubt that when people encounter us, they encounter God. Because of the love that we have, because of the joy that we carry, because of the anointing that is within us.